Hello again, friends, and welcome back to another edition of the Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast, this time reviewing Mid-South Wrestling Television from June 11th, 1983, taped on June 8th, 1983 at the Irish McNeil Boys Club in Shreveport, Louisiana. I am the great Brian Last, my pleasure to be with you once again, and joining me, as he does each and every week, you know him and love him, Mike Mills. Mike, how are you today? I'm doing good, Brian. We got some, just say some major things happening on this week's episode, although it will take about half of the episode to get into those major things. And I got a lot to say when we get to it. But for now, I'm doing good. I'm surviving the pandemic. Hopefully you are as well. And all of the listeners are as well out there. And uh, let's get into some Mid-South Wrestling from June the 11th, 1983. When did you say it was taped again? June 8th, 1983. Okay. I always like to keep that in mind whenever we're talking about these. Okay. But yeah, ready to roll, man. Let's do this thing. In a lot of ways, it's two different shows. In a lot of ways, this TV taping, this week's show, next week's show, it's kind of like the first part of this show and the second part of next week's show and the second part of this show and the first part of next week's show due to the commentators that are on board for these shows. Let's go to the show open. Boyd Pierce and returning to the desk, a favorite of Mike Mills, Buddy Nichols. Let's hear this. I'm your host, Boyd Pierce, and we have a lot of excitement coming up. We have with us as our guest commentator this week, a man who needs no introduction throughout the Southwest, the popular sports director of KALB Channel 5 in Alexandria, Louisiana, Mr. Buddy Nichols. Buddy, we'll be talking to you in a little bit right now. We want to tell the fans at home a great card signed by matchmaker Grizzly Smith. It'll be headlined by a Mid-South Tag Team match. You'll see... Mr. Olympia and his partner, Boris Zerkoff, as they take on the popular duo of the Junkyard Dog and Hacksaw Jim Dugan. Another tag team will feature two bigger, rugged men, the Super Destroyer and his partner, King Kong Bundy. Popular Tito Santana's here, Magnum T.A. We have a lot of action coming up, and Buddy Nichols, we'll be looking forward to your expert commentary, as you did when you was with us about three week, three months previous. We have been enjoying it ever since then, looking forward to when you'd be back with us. Well, thank you very much, Boyd. It's nice to be back again, always treated uh, with the best of hospitality here at Mid-South. Thank you. And we go now to the ring and the introduction of the opening event. Here's Reese Bowden. And there it is, the show open, Boyd Pierce and Buddy Nichols. When he first says Buddy Nichols is with him, Buddy goes to talk, and Boyd just keeps going. And he runs down the card. Yeah, Boyd wanted to make sure he got his stuff in as per what Watts instructed him to do. I'm going to assume that's why he kept going. You know, Buddy Nichols isn't bad, but like we talked about a while back when Buddy Nichols was on, he's just a sports commentator, so he's calling it straight down the middle. He's not really telling any type of stories. So it's just like calling a basketball game to him or a football game. He's not trying to, like, spin any specific narrative that's going on in a soap opera or in a wrestling storyline. Like Bill Watts always does. And we talked about that a lot. And that's what you get. I believe it's the first three matches of this show as we jump into this thing. Or maybe even four matches. Yeah, it's, I think it's like four matches. We're just listening to Buddy Nichols call it down the middle. And honestly, there's not a ton to discuss outside of that. You know, it's not like Watts on commentary where we get those great, great sound bites that you and I like to discuss. Yeah, there isn't much. I mean, we'll play a second or two of Buddy Nichols in a moment. But let's go to the ring for our first match. Rip Rogers versus Tim Horner. With a debut as referee, Joel Armstrong, of course, he would later be known as Joel Watts, the son of Bill Watts. I believe Armstrong is his actual name because his mom, uh, well, he was the child of Bill Watts' wife's previous marriage. And then Bill Watts adopted him after he married his wife. 
But Joe Armstrong right here, and I believe it's actually the name he goes by today, Joe Armstrong. He was only Joe Watts for a few years in the UWF, and then he went back to the name Joe Armstrong, or Mid-South Wrestling, I should say. What are your thoughts on referee Joe Armstrong here? He towers over the wrestlers. He's very tall and linky. I didn't realize to this day, and you know, forgive me, Mid-South fans, if I should know this, but I'll admit when I'm wrong or don't know something, I didn't realize to this day he goes under Joel Armstrong only because he was such a, I guess I'll say, prominent Mid-South figure as Joel Watts. It's very interesting to see him here as a referee. He's doing a lot of pacing back and forth. He looks like he's trying to find some level of comfort zone as a referee in this match. That was my note from it. Brian, did you catch any of that? What did you think? I thought, at least especially in this first match, which is the first match he's doing on TV, he seemed overly aggressive. You know, you kind of want to not notice the referee until you have to, but it was hard not to notice him. He was very involved, very close to the wrestlers when they were doing things. So I think you're right about that. Yeah, I, I equate it to like if you're standing up somewhere and you're waiting to maybe give a speech or something or talk about something and somebody's pacing. I felt like he was just like doing a lot of pacing and movement back and forth as these guys were trying to wrestle. It, it wasn't terrible. I'm not trying to say he looked horrible. It's just you can tell, you know, I'm sure he probably ref before on some house shows and we just don't, you know, we don't have the footage. But you definitely could see the pacing there from him. But I mean, he wasn't bad. Uh, definitely tall and linky, though. Like you said, I don't know if you used the term tower, but uh, you can see how tall he is next to Tim and Rip. Good back and forth match with Rip and Tim. Tim ends up winning. Tim Horner, that is. With a reverse flying body press off the second rope. Any thoughts or notes about the match, Mike? Buddy Nichols does mention Horner waiting on a big win, but I thought that was kind of misplaced from Buddy Nichols because he got a big win against Kendo Nagasaki by surprise a while back, so last month. So that was the only note I had other than what you just mentioned about Tim getting the win with the flying crossbody. He got the win, but they really never played it up much since then. I mean, Kendo's gone, and now we really don't hear too much about the fact that Tim Horner got that big victory. Good point, good point. Coming out of that match, our next one, Magnum TA versus Tony Zane. Again, a new referee, Johnny Martinez. Another youngster, seems to be very young as the referee here. No Alfred Neely for this television taping. Let's hear a little bit on commentary from Buddy Nichols about Magnum TA. One, so we give you a sample of Buddy Nichols on commentary. And two, so you could see, so you could hear, I guess I should say, this is week three of Terry Allen and Mid-South Wrestling. He's getting the build. He's getting the push. Because this is three wins, three victories. The crowd is getting into him. Let's hear Buddy Nichols about Magnum TA. Okay, boy, my first opportunity to see Magnum uh, TA. Magnum TA came upon the scene two weeks ago and captivated the fans here in the area and put the dread of fear into his opponents, so we'll see how he does on his third appearance here on Mid-South Wrestling. Well, in talking to other uh, people that keep up with professional wrestling, they say he is one of the bright and shining stars in professional wrestling and can look forward to a lot of good years from Magnum TA. Well, he came here to this area on the recommendation of the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes, who put in some good words to matchmaker Grizzly Smith, and Grizzly took him up on it. He came, and no one was disappointed, and we we're looking for great things from him. And Tony Zale, of course, would like to slow down the express that he started some two weeks ago. Well, with a reference like uh, Dusty Rhodes, how can you go wrong, Boyd? Okay, Magnum TA, Terry Allen, fine, fine physical specimen, tries the uh, arm dragon takedown. And Zane tried to hold off, but uh, Magnum had enough force on it to get him down. 
Magnum TA, Terry Allen, calls Virginia his home. Fine collegiate wrestler out of Old Dominion University. And has the good solid background, has all the skills as we talked about earlier. Dusty Rhodes uh, recommended him and has seen him wrestle. So what better recommendation could you have than the American dream right now? He has the arm barred on Tony Zane out of Rome, Georgia. Zane in the purple trunks and the gold wrestling boots. And Magnum T.A. really putting a lot of pressure on that left arm of Tony Zane. Well, there you hear it, a little bit of a sample of Buddy Nichols on commentary. This is now multiple weeks where Boyd Pierce calls Tony Zane Tony Zale. Leave <laughs> Boyd alone, Brian. Uh, I do that from time to time. That's why I say leave him alone. I don't know what it is, but it's the way my brain is wired. But he has done that multiple times. But let's go back to our friend here, Buddy Nichols. You can hear the difference. It's just rather, I don't know if I'm looking for the monotone. Do you think he's monotone, Brian? That's what I'm thinking when I think of Buddy Nichols here. Do you think monotone at all? I don't know if I'd say monotone. It just it sounds like he's calling a high school basketball game. That's true. And I'm using, and I say monotone, I guess I'm comparing him to Watts, who's very emphatic on his calls when things are happening. Now, in fairness to Nichols, there's nothing to be emphatic about here. I mean, it's meat and potatoes down the middle. It's a wrestling match. You got Magnum TA, arm drags, you know, hip tosses, arm bars. There's not a ton of stuff to get overly excited about. But, I mean, he's rather matter of fact. He's kind of repeating some of the same things Watts said. He's driving home the fact that, you know, Magnum came to us from recommendation by Dusty Rhodes. And, you know, Buddy talks about Magnum being a fine collegiate wrestler at Old Dominion. And, you know, pretty much that's that. So straight down the middle, meat and potatoes call from Buddy Nichols, but nothing too excitable to talk about there. Well, plus, I doubt Bill Watts was telling him to do any storytelling. I'm sure Bill Watts said, here's a guy I do business with. Sports director at Alexandria, Louisiana's TV station that Mid-South Wrestling airs on. He wants to come down here and do commentary. All right, call it. And, you know, he's not giving him a big angle. He's not giving him anything else. That's not his job here. You know, Bill Watts is probably smart enough to realize I'm not going to have someone who doesn't understand how to relay the important information I'm trying to disseminate to my fans out there for a big angle or a big match. He wants to do commentary. He wants a shot. I'll give him a shot. It'll be during a match like this. and. When it comes to calling the moves and calling the action, he's all right. I mean, I've heard plenty of guys try to do this and stumble over their words, not know what to say. He's doing all right. And for a guy that's not in the wrestling business, he does a good job, I think, of calling the moves. For You know, it's nothing really difficult to call there, but he's all right for what he is. And I think Bill Watts knew how to use him on these shows where he does commentary. And he also knew that the maximum impact segments are the ones where he'll come out for. And let me add to something you said, because I do agree with that. One of the other things I want to say, though, is you bet you're behind that Watts didn't smarten him up to anything, and he told him to just go out there and call it. So that's a great, you make a really, really good point. And the more I think about it, I can imagine Watts in the back going, yeah, just go out there and call what you see. And basically not giving him too much more direction other than that. And that's exactly what he did. And he gave him the talking points like, you know, what he mentions about Dusty Rhodes and Magnum and what he mentions about Magnum being a good collegiate wrestler for older minions. So like, you know, I'm sure Watts wrote that down and said, hey, here, say this. Other than that, because that's what you need to know, because you would do that same thing in a regular sports broadcast. If a guy is playing for the Saints and he went to LSU or he went to Ole Miss, you're going to mention his collegiate background at those schools. So Nichols did that exact same thing. So Watts gave him that. 
But other than that, I mean, I'm sure you'd agree, Brian. There's no way Watt smartened him up in any other way. I doubt it. I seriously doubt yeah. it. And Magnum TA wins with the atomic drop. From there, we get our next match. Tito Santana versus Mike Vachon with Joel Armstrong as the referee. Mike Vachon, I believe, is indeed the son of Mad Dog Maurice Vachon, making his debut on TV. And he looks like he had not been wrestling too long because he's not the most proficient in the ring, but all right for what his job was here. Tito ends up winning with the Gibson leg lock. Any thoughts or notes about this match, Mike? On Mike Vachon, I actually had a specific note about how he looked in the ring. Now, keep in mind, I compare him to some of these guys we've seen who really can't run the ropes, like the Hacksaw Higgins of the world, and, you know, who really, really look sloppy and pathetic. Mike Vachon, to that effect in comparison, does not look like that. He's a smaller guy. You can see Tito's a lot taller than him, but I don't think he looked, like, terrible by comparison to some of the guys we've seen. So I do want to point that out. Uh, Also, Buddy Nichols points out Tito being a talented collegiate athlete at West Texas. That's all I had, though, from the match. I thought it was all right. You know, these guys, they wrestled, they went at it, and and it was what it was. It was a solid little TV match with an enhancement talent against Tito. Coming out of that, we got our next match. King Kong Bundy and the Super Destroyer versus Craig Carson and Denny Alberts. First appearance on Mid-South TV for both of them. Johnny Martinez, the referee. Any thoughts or notes about this match, Mike? All right, I don't want the fans out there to crush me on this one. I don't really have much. They kind of manhandled them. Bundy ends up hitting Carson with the avalanche at the end, but I I, I don't know. There was nothing to grasp a hold of here for me. Uh, what did you have, Brian? I had that. There was a superplex <laughs> on Alberts, followed by an avalanche on Carson, and a victory for Bundy and the Super Destroyer. Yeah, I'd love to give you more, everybody out there, but there's just not much to talk about here. And the thing about this match is it comes right before one of the more memorable segments and things that I remember from Mid-South as a kid that Brian and I are going to talk about in a second. So there's a tease as Brian is over there getting ready to discuss this uh, next part with Butch Reed with me. Well, the show is about to pick up, uh, not just the next angle, but even the match at the end of the show. The show's about to pick up. Reese Bowden in the ring. With Hacksaw Butch Reed, of course, Butch Reed has been here, I guess, a couple of months now. Big baby face, teamed up with the Junkyard Dog. We last saw him, I think, maybe when King Kong Bundy beat him a few weeks back. But he's come in as a baby face, quickly got over. Remember, the fans, when they were picking who the Junkyard Dog's tag team partner should be, I think one of the options was Tito Santana. One of the options was maybe Johnny Rich. They really popped for Butch Reed. Of course, Hacksaw Duggan was next, and they exploded. But it looked like Butch Reed, before Duggan came out, had the cheers to be the partner. I mean, the fans were really into him. He's really gotten over as a babyface. Let's hear Butch Reed and Reeser Bowden. If you'll recall, last week, here on Mid-South Wrestling, Hacksaw Butch Reed was scheduled for a bout with Tony Zane. But for some unknown reason, Hacksaw Butch Reed did not show up for that match, and I think at this time he'd like to offer an apology and an explanation as to what was wrong there. Well, let me tell you something, Risa. You know, since I've been around in the Mid-South Wrestling area, like I said before, it's a very tough area. It's one of the toughest areas in the world, you understand? But I've been having a lot of things on my mind. I've had a lot of things to think about. 
And one of the things I've been thinking about is coming up here to wrestle Tony Zane. Man, dudes like Tony Zane, where I come from, don't even talk loud. I whoop that chump any day of the week, two times on Sunday. But let me tell you something. The big thing is, is that Butch Reed has been used. I feel like this, I've been used as a stepping stone right here in Mid-South Wrestling. I've been used for a fool, you understand? And I ain't nobody's fool. I've been having a lot of time to think about it. And one of the, one of the people that's been using me for a fool is a friend of mine. A good friend of mine, supposed to be. We've been riding, a guy I've been riding up and down the road with. We broke bread together. Yeah, I'm talking about the junkyard dog. That's right. Let me tell you something. They tell me that in order, he tells me, in order for you to be on top and miss out wrestling is you got to take on the biggest and the baddest competition there is. So that's what Butch Reed has been doing. I have been taking a lot of slack off of my brother, the junkyard dog. I've took on Ted DiBiase. I've took on Mr. Olympia. I've took on the Ugandan giant Kambala. I have took on King Kong Bundy. People didn't think he'd leave his feet. They all seen him leave his feet. But see, the thing is, the thing is this, Risa, is that I'm thinking about Butch Reed from now on. You understand? I summon all these dudes up, dog, for you to see where they're coming from and for you to take them on as a North American champion. He's a North American champion. The people last week wanted Duggan to be his partner. It come my time to shine in, in Mid-South professional wrestling. And because the people wanted Jim Duggan to be his partner, then he took Jim Duggan over me because that's what the people wanted him to do. Dog, I want to say this. And I am going to the top. And I know how I got to go to the top. And that's by winning the North American Championship. You understand? Do you understand what I'm saying, Risa? Well, that's a pretty big order, and I'm sure that a lot of the fans are just as surprised as I am to hear you talking like that about the dog. Well, it's like this. They got their tag team champions. They got their tag team. But Butch Reed is going to start taking care of Butch Reed. You understand? And I can't take care of Butch Reed by listening to everybody else, listening to their suggestions. I know what I got to do to go to the top. The junkyard dog is a good, is a man. He's a bad wrestler. I got to give him that. He got the North American title. He's the champion. He is a big drawing card all over the country, all around the world. And so in order for you to be one of the best, you got to be up there with the best. And dog, I want you to know, I'm issuing a challenge to you in front of your people out here.
That's right, don't get them back here. I'm issuing a challenge to you, dog, to come down here and sign a contract to take me on for that North American title. I'm tired of playing around. It's time for Butch Reed to be Butch Reed. It's time for Butch Reed to show the rest of the world that I am competitive and I am a man to be recognized. Now, I'm waiting on the dog to come down here and to shine, sign a contract for the North American Championship. Well, as I said, that comes as quite a surprise to me. I'm sure it probably is just as big a surprise to the junkyard dog. And uh, Let me tell you something, Risa. Friendship ain't putting no food on my table. Friendship is not helping me to be a big name in professional wrestling. I don't have no friends. I don't need a dog. I don't need nobody. All I need is me. And I'm going to start taking care of me. Well, all I can say about that is that I've known the junkyard dog about as long as he's been in professional wrestling, and I've never known him yet to walk away from a challenge. So, I've been uh, knowing him a long time myself. He's the one that got me over here. The man has helped me out. There's no doubt about that. He's helped me out of a lot of things. He got me over here at Mid-South Wrestling. He got me set up here. I appreciate that. But now it's time for Butch Reed to go to the top. And the only way I'm going to go to the top is I got to win the North American Championship. And I'm, and I'm waiting on the dog to come down here and show that he is the dog and sign a contract to wrestle me for the North American Championship. Well, I don't think you'll have to wait too long because I see the junkyard dog coming right now. And as I pointed out a moment ago, I've never known the junkyard dog to walk away from a challenge. I don't think that we'll see that now either. And I think uh, from the look on his face, he's pretty startled about this whole thing himself. What is wrong with you? I sent for you in Atlanta. You didn't have water. I wanted to cry with. I set your apartment up. I bought your furniture. I got you in here. And now you're out here. Let, let, me tell you, let me explain something you to you. But let me explain something no to you. That's why our That's people. My problem now. I've been listening to you too long, man. That's why our people right now can't get to the top because crabs just like you. Is fans you saw it and heard it just like I did I don't understand any of it we try to get her composure and I'm going to try to find out we'll be back right after this match well there it is a big angle Butch Reed in the ring upset has a number of grievances 
against his friend, the Junkyard Dog, the man who apparently bought him his apartment, set him up in Mid-South Wrestling, leading to a brawl. One of the things you don't get to hear is that while they're brawling on the mat, Ted DiBiase runs in from behind, hits the dog in the head with the cast that he has on his broken hand, knocking the dog out, and then they beat on him for a little bit longer until referee Joel Armstrong and Johnny Martinez run in the ring to check on the dog. Mike, you saw this growing up. What are your thoughts? What are your remembrances about this? And talk a little bit about this big angle, the heel turn of Butch Reed. So real quick, before I get into the whole angle of it, I got to ask you a question because you just talked about DiBiase coming in and hitting JYD with the cast in the back of the head. Did you catch, we've talked about in the past, how JYD takes the Timberg fall whenever he gets hit with something like that? Did you catch how, although Dog was on top of Reed kind of going to town, that Dog took a Timberg fall as well as he could when DiBiase hit him with the cast and he just kind of like limply rolls over. Did you see how he did that? Yeah, as soon as he got hit, he just immediately died. You know, and just yeah. rolled over. It, it, the selling during the big moments of the Junkyard Dog may not be the best at times. It seemed a bit much that he instantly just knocked out unconscious as soon as DiBiase hit him. <laughs> he rolled over like he'd been shot. Uh, so I wanted to make mention of that when you talked about what we can't see as we're listening to the audio with DiBiase hitting Dog and them going to town. And then at the end, you also heard them chanting for Duggan or Dugan, and Dugan never comes down, though. So I have a couple different thoughts. I'm going to give you my thoughts as a kid first on this whole angle. And I'm going to give you my thoughts as a kid because I got a bunch of Twitter questions about this related to Reed. Now, Brian, you know, we saw Reed lose to Bundy via the five count. Recall that? So when we did, as an adult, my mind was like, God, uh, why would they do that to him? You know, he hadn't been here that long. He just loses clean like that. But I went back and I started thinking about this when I saw this as a child, as a, you know, eight-year-old, uh, pretty much. And I was thinking, man, I never even questioned that Reed lost to Bundy by five count clean. Because all I remember is Reed turning on the dog and calling out the dog like just a few weeks later. So to answer the question of that, I've heard a couple of times from a bunch of our listeners, did you think it hurt Reed? Back then, I wasn't even thinking about that because it didn't even register as something that we do nowadays. I think nowadays we overanalyze and we're like, oh, they buried him. You know, one week we're screaming, they buried this guy. And then four weeks later, once we see something play out and something happen, we all of a sudden change our tune. We overreact too instantly nowadays. Back then, there was no overreaction. I was just watching it for the enjoyment of it and the entertainment of it. And all I knew was that Reed, a couple weeks later, I didn't even think about Bundy beating him. All I knew was, damn, he just turned on the dog. He just called out the dog and told him he was calling him out and he wanted a piece of him so he could get that North American title. So that was as a kid. As I watch this now, I'm still like thinking the same thing. I never... I mean, I saw it coming because I knew what happened now as we as we rewatch. But I'm like, man, so what if whatever happened with him and Bundy where he loses clean? He just came out there and it took him a while to get going if you heard him. But he just was like, I've softened up your competition, JYD. Then you've turned around and feasted on those guys after I softened them up. I want the North American title. It's time for Butch Reed to be Butch Reed. And I'm issuing a challenge to you. Come down here, sign a contract for the North American title. Friendship 
I, this is the quote that I love. Friendship ain't putting no food on my table, dog. I love that from Reed right there. JYD finally comes down and JYD's like, look, man, this is the problem with our people. We can't reason with each other, you know, and he's referencing African-American relations. He's like, we always got to turn it, you know, make it a fight in between us. And the thing that made this real, even then and now, the thing that makes this so real is not just what Dog said to him about African-American relations, it's jealousy. Every, if you are a human being, you at some point, I don't care who you are, you might not be at the top of the spectrum when it comes to being jealous at other people, but you have had an inkling of jealousy of something in your life. Now, it may be small and minute in, in a small scale, but you have at some point been jealous. And that's the emotion that Reed was touched on here. He is jealous because he's softening up these opponents. The dog is getting all the accolades here, or allocades, as Lex Luger would say. But the dog is getting all the accolades here, and he's the champion. And here's Reed because he's on the same side as a dog. But he can't get that title shot. There's no longer a Louisiana and Mississippi title to go after. So Reed's kind of stuck. He's like, I mean, I'm pretty much stuck. So he's like, I want that title. Come do it. Let's make it happen. And the crowd, you could tell for a while they were like, where's this going? And then they finally realize it. And you can hear when the moment sinks in that they start to realize Reed is calling out Dog. They're like, no way. Come on. And then when Dog comes down, you immediately hear when they see Dog coming down to, to confront him. And then it turns into, oh, well, wow. Did DiBiase had something to do with this? Because now he's coming out to help out Reed. So did he influence Reed? What's going on here? You know, we got a lot. See, I mean, we realized what happened here, but because DiBiase came down too, we got a lot that may, you know, shake out in the weeks to come. We got to find out, did DiBiase have something to do with this? Or was it just Reed whose mind flipped? I don't know. But what it makes us do is stay tuned because now we got a new feud and some new friction in the territory. Brian, please add anything I may have missed. Well, you said something interesting before. You said it takes them a little while to get going, and it does. And a part of me thought this needed to be tighter, more compact. Butch should have right away gone for it. But then I think about it, it wouldn't have been as real if Butch Reed had just come out right away and said, by the way, I hate the junkyard dog now, and I want to challenge him. It took him a little while to tell his story, and it took the fans a little while to realize what was going on. Some of the fans, including that goofy kid in the yellow shirt, we're playing around behind Butch Reed, and then they kind of pick up on what he's saying. And then mm -hmm. a few of them start chanting, go home, Reed. And then eventually they start chanting JYD when the dog comes out. And then, of course, the big chance for Dugan, or Duggan, as we know him here in the Northeast. Mm -hmm. So at first I thought it took too long, and then I thought, you know what? They had to do it this way. You had to give the fans a reason. You know, if it happened quickly, it would have just been too quick it would have just it would have not meant as much the way they did it it had some impact and i will say another thought is in just over a year the junkyard dog has been turned on by ted dibiase mr olympia and now butch reed he's <laughs> a good point that's a that's a really really good point uh that he's he's had so many people turn their back on him i want to make a point about what you said too so not the Pittsburgh Steelers kid that you hate and want to bludgeon with a steel chair. I'm joking. Brian doesn't want to bludgeon anyone with a steel chair. Um, no, there's a few people. There's a few people I'd like to, but not him, <laughs> okay. not that kid. Yeah. I don't want to turn this into the experience. <laughs> but, um, there's a there's a guy directly. He's like right in between Reed and Boyd, and sometimes Reed is directly in front of him. He's got a yellow hat. 
white navy shirt on that that guy also if you watch his reaction at first he's kind of like just sitting there like what what's going on where are we going with this and then when he realizes reed is about to go where he's going or has gone where he's gone calling out the dog his whole mood changes all of a sudden he went from sitting calmly in his in the bleachers to he's now chanting cupping his hands together where's the dog he's jumping up and down at one point so like you can see the mood change in that guy in particular, if you know who I'm talking about with the yellow hat and the white and navy shirt, or maybe it's a white and black shirt. I can't really tell. Well, this is what you think, and this is what I think. An important voice we haven't heard from yet is Cowboy Bill Watts. Of course, this is the perfect time for him to come to the desk. Let's go to Cowboy Bill Watts. Boy, Pierce, it's pandemonium here. Everybody's standing. Uh, we've had to bring everything to a standstill. The Grizzly Smith has grabbed me to come down here and sit in for Buddy Nichols because that tag championship match is out. And, of course, I think everybody's shocked and enraged about uh, Hacksaw Butch Reed. He sure uh, caught everybody flat-footed. I don't know what's working on his head. I suspect Ted DiBiase as close by as he was. Let's go to Houston, Texas, May the 13th. Paul Bosch narrating as Ted DiBiase, before he broke his hand, was against a former All-American from Grambling and a former member of the Pittsburgh Steelers as a split receiver, Charlie Cook. Let's watch that bout. And there it is. Bill Watts comes to the desk because Grizzly Smith, the man that he go there and replace Buddy Nichols to talk about all this, gives some brief thoughts and then throws to a match from Houston, Texas, May 13th, 1983, Ted DiBiase versus Charlie Cook. Jerry Usher, the referee. Mike, any thoughts on Bill Watts' brief comments here? But also, talk a little bit about what happens in this match because we really, coming out of that angle, we get to see DiBiase at his most heelish in this match. You definitely can sense the change of pace when Watts comes to the desk or the table, the commentary table with Boyd because he's now got to stress, oh my God, what just happened? This was completely unexpected. You know, we got to, he doesn't really give anything away. He's just enhancing the story. We got to figure out what's going on. I mean, the, the crowd is shocked. You know, we're all kind of sitting here in disbelief. And, you know, we, we got to see what, what happens here. He then, like you said, he throws it to DiBiase versus Charlie Cook from Houston. This is the closing minutes of the match. Uh, the match ends up being awarded to Charlie Cook due to DQ because DiBiase hit Cook with an illegal shot to the throat. But after the match, DiBiase continues to attack Cook uh, before we head back to the Irish McBeal, where Watts is going to wrap up, I guess, the, the, the match in the segment for us. So Watts doesn't really say a ton before he throws to the match, in my opinion, but that's only because he doesn't want to say a ton at this point. He's got to tease it, and we got to see what else is happening. And besides that, what else can Watts really say right now? Because he's just as shocked as we are. I mean, he didn't expect Reed to go out there and flip his wig and, you know, just like, whoa, wh wh what's wrong with this guy? I mean, all of a sudden, he's just turned on a dog and wants nothing to do with him? I didn't see that coming. Well, neither did the rest of us. So Watts is just kind of enhancing our feelings at this point, too, uh, as he threw to that Houston match. At the end of the Houston match, DiBiase goes nuts with a chair on Charlie Cook and even punches out Jerry Usher, the referee, on the floor. So it's coming out of that. We go back to the desk real quick for Bill Watts wrapping all this up. One of the few times that he was caught from blatantly continuing to use a thumb to the throat. Jerry Escher had the courage to disqualify him, but then you saw the venom of Ted DiBiase, and we saw it again here today, and he again is at the bottom of this stirring cauldron. And Boyd will be back after those, these messages from Mid-South Network with our standby match. Well, there it is. We hear it from the Cowboy. DiBiase, this cauldron of hatred or whatever he just said, he's in the middle of it. 
I don't want to keep repeating this because I know I've said this a bunch of times about DiBiase, but the thing that makes the heel DiBiase work so good in Mid-South is he's going to go on for a while longer with this just sinister nature where he's causing problems and he's just this heel in the territory. And that's what makes something that happens in 1985 so great. And uh, that's my tease. And we're a while from there. I know we're two years away, but that's what makes 1985 so great when something happens with DiBiase at that point. But it's because of the sinister nature of how he's just being. I mean, like you said, you know, you pointed out uh, Olympia is turned on him. DiBiase's turned on dog. But, you know, behind it all, it started with DiBiase. And he's just continuing that just nastiness that he is and just no regard for anyone but himself. I mean, for Christ's sake, he hit JYD in the back of the head with a cast. That's a criminal move. I mean, you could kill somebody. You really could. But he did it. And so what? You know, it is what it is. That's how sinister he is. Well, now we get our final match on this week's show, and it gets hot and heavy pretty quickly. Mr. Olympia and Boris Zerkov, who are now the Mid-South Wrestling Tag Team Champions via power of attorney because Ted DiBiase's injured with General Skandar Akbar versus Hacksaw Duggan and Johnny Rich, who's filling in for the Junkyard Dog, who, of course, is in no condition to wrestle after the previous attack earlier in the episode. Johnny Martinez. The referee, let's go to this match, and Cowboy Bill Watts doing what he does best. This is a non-title tag team. Hacksaw Jim Duggan has taken Johnny Rich, and all Reese Bowden got out with the non-title tag match. TV time remaining, and Hacksaw Duggan is after Skandar Akbar, but of course, that's left Johnny Rich at the mercy of Mr. Olympia and Boris Zirkov, the Russian, who has by power of attorney taking Ted DiBiase's place and representing DiBiase while he has the broken hand in the Mid-South Tag Team title box. And of course, a lot of things have happened. The crowd is still standing from the situation with Junkyard Dog and Butch Reed. And Butch Reed saying he's going to be his own man, that he's been used by the dog. And that he's been softening up people for the dog. And then the dog dumped him when it was his chance to shine, to make the big money, to be the dog's partner when Dog took Dugan as his partner. But you recall the people here on Mid-South selected Hacksaw Dugan. The junkyard dog had nothing to do with it. But Reed is really, he's really boiled it. Johnny Rich, a gallant youngster, a man that's shown a lot of courage. He's fought some of the tough ones here. Boris Zirkov in on him. And Skandar Akbar, Hacksaw Dugan, ran him clear, clear out of the... Arena floor here. Wow, Johnny Rich really took that melon-headed Boris Zirkov and taught him some respect. And there comes Hacksaw, and he's in there firing away on both of them. Oh, he just threw Boris Zirkov at Mr. Olympia. Body slammed Zirkov, body slammed Olympia. This war may not get over with the television time remaining. Boyd Pierce, but it's been a pandemonium day here. Hacksaw Dugan is after... Oh, Olympia loading Over that boot. Olympia's loading that boot. Johnny Rich sacrificed himself. Johnny Rich sacrificed himself and took that, whatever that foreign object was on that boot that Olympia had for Hacksaw Dugan from behind. Johnny Rich showed his courage, took it to his head. But now both are on Dugan and Johnny Rich is stunned outside the ring on the concrete floor. Double clothesline, Zirkov with his powerful neck breaker that has devastated so many. And Olympia keeping Johnny Rich out of the way. Oh, Dugan got out of the way. 
Hacksaw Duggan, he's not down until you nail the lid shut on him. He's a fighter. Now Olympia calling for help, and they're both on him, two on one. They went for the clothesline. Duggan clotheslined both of them. Hacksaw Jim Duggan clotheslined them both, and now he's showing them some shoe leather. Olympia staggered up. Duggan's got them both. Boyd Pierce, Johnny Rutt's sacrifice, but Jim Duggan may pull the impossible. He may whip both of them. Two minutes of airtime remaining. Oh, Duggan got out of the way. That's six cents. The spear. He speared Zirkoff. Zirkoff out of the floor. Mr. Olympia up, and Duggan's got him. Body slam. And Johnny Rich is groggy, he doesn't know where he is. Dugan checking on him. And Dugan speared Mr. Olympia. He's tagged Johnny Rich. What a heart. Hacksaw Dugan's tagged Rich and just thrown Rich across. He just threw Rich across Mr. Olympia. He gave Rich the victory. He gave Rich the victory. Johnny Rich still doesn't know where he is. That's the kind of heart Dugan has. But Johnny Rich sacrificed for him. Dugan paid him back by giving that youngster the biggest victory of his whole career here on Mid-South. And look at that crowd. Look at that crowd, Boyd. The fans are going crazy, Bill. Oh, I'm telling you, it's been pandemonium here. And, of course, we still don't know the complete story, but Hacksaw Butch Reed has shocked the wrestling world. And I tell you, a man is probably more shocked and disappointed than hurt, even though he's hurting in agony right now is a junkyard dog. And of course, Ted DiBiase somewhere, and money, smell of Skandar Akbar, has to be involved. Yeah. Next week, we got a big main event, boy. Next Tell week, them about it. Tito Santana versus the big man from Atlantic City, King Kong Bundy. So it promises to spill over, Bill, and continue to be the wildest action anywhere in professional wrestling. We saw something today. We keep saying we've never seen it before, but somehow it unfurls right here because all the top stars. So till next week, for our guest commentator, Buddy Nichols, who was with us earlier, Cowboy Bill Watts, I'm Boyd Pierce saying thanks for tuning us in, and we'll see you next week right here on this great station. And there it is, the hot close to this week's episode of Mid-South Wrestling. Boy, Jim Duggan is as over as you can be right now with those fans. They pop on every single thing he does. They go crazy for him. You know, one of the big things we're missing in the reviews for this period of time is the local promos. So you could see a real big part of the reason why he connected so well with those fans. Cause Jim Duggan was a fantastic promo when doing those local promos for mid South wrestling. What are your thoughts about this closing match? It's just, if you ever want to see how to book somebody to be strong and be put over, it would be something like this. Rest assured. I mean, Watson knew exactly what he was doing when making Duggan just, into this superhuman professional wrestler almost and just being this super over baby face. And the reason I say that is, as you're listening to that audio, if you did go back and watch it and have access to it, go back and just watch when things, I mean, I say things break down. They were break, they broke down from the beginning where, you know, it's all four guys, poor Reese Bowden, he can't even get out the ring before he, he can't even announce it. He's just like, and then and, and tag team action. And then Duggan's hitting the ring attack and Olympia. But they get to this point in the match where they are both, they, they Olympia and Zerkov are double teaming Duggan, and they've got Duggan on the run, and it's not looking good at all during this double team sequence. And Duggan still 
dealing with a great wrestler in Olympia and a newcomer Zerkoff, Duggan still finds a way to battle off these two evil heels, especially Olympia, who's just evil and turns his back on his friends. He still finds a way to fight back. He ducks a double clothesline, delivers his own double clothesline, ends up delivering then a spear to Zerkoff, and then a spear to Olympia, in which then he gives Rich the victory because Rich sacrificed himself for Duggan just moments earlier. You just see how strong he's booked in this segment, in this match. I mean, there's no other way to put it. I can't emphasize it enough. He, by himself, because Johnny Rich was knocked out from the loaded boot for a second that Olympia gave Rich. So Duggan, for a while, is fighting off both these guys, and he just completes the effort, fights them off both. Duggan and Rich end up getting the victory, and you hear Watts saying, like, Duggan's so given. He gave Johnny Rich the victory. Well, he kind of did, but before that, he fought off these two heels in glorious fashion to even get to that point, which makes him look like, one, he's sympathetic because he gave Rich the victory after Rich sacrificed himself earlier, but two, he's such a strong babyface and such a strong wrestler that he fought off these two heels before he could even get to that point. And the crowd, when you watch him, hey, there's not a person that's not clapping in that building. They are on fire. Duckin is so over. We've said it a bunch of times. I don't know how to emphasize it anymore. He is over. When they win, those fans are jumping up and down, and it's glorious. Well, with that, we wrap up another week of the Mid-South Wrestling Television Review. A lot of hot stuff leading in the next week's show. Of course, I want to remind you, you can follow me on Twitter, at Great Brian Last. You can follow the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network on Twitter at Super Podcasts or on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Arcadian Vanguard. You can hear me on the 605 Super Podcast at 605pod.com or available wherever it is that you find your favorite podcasts. Mike, let the listeners know how they can stay in touch with you and how they can find Booking the Territory. Stay in touch with me on Twitter at Mike504Saints. I love interacting with you guys who send me questions as, as I have time. Uh, also, I post clips of the shows. For instance, a couple weeks back, I posted a clip of the Magnum uh, victory, his first victory when he came in as an unknown against the Super Destroyer. Also, come listen to myself, Hardbody Hopper, and Doc Turner uh, at this point weekly as uh, we have wrapped up Smoky Mountain Wrestling. But we continue our journey through NWA Saturday Night on TBS and into 1989 now, I'm sorry. Come listen to us at tinyurl.com slash bttpod or just search Booking the Territory wherever you get your podcast from. You have been warned. We are the unprofessional wrestling podcast for a reason. The jokes are terrible. It's not politically correct. But we have fun nonetheless talking some classic wrestling from the 80s. Brian, another fun show. We got a lot to go through, though, now. We've got a new heel in Butch Reed leading up into the coming weeks. And, of course, we need to see where that leads to things with him and the Junkyard Dog. But that's that. Lots of fun. Looking forward to the weeks to come. The Mid-South Wrestling Television Review Podcast is a production of the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network. Your producer is Jace Nakarado. For Mike Mills, I'm the great Brian Last. Tally-ho!